world, I'm talking about the world, not the church, that one, that he doesn't exist, right? And that's a lie. He does exist. And the other lie, for those who believe that maybe he does exist in the world, they think he's not dangerous. And so they play around with him, mess around. They, you know, make TV shows and, you know, cute little uh, Halloween costumes and all that kind of stuff. And people play around with the devil as if he's some harmless creature because they, they've seen devils on cartoons and devils on TV shows and they're harmless. But the devil is not harmless. The thief comes only to steal, come on, to kill and to destroy, all right? So then we know the devil is harmful, very, very harmful. Now, the, the lie or the deception for the body of Christ is not whether he's real or not, whether he doesn't exist or not, but the deception of the body of Christ is that people in the body of Christ, we see today, tend to think that they can kind of toy around with the devil, uh, mess around with the devil, um, love the world, uh, entertain the world, be intimate with the world, integrate with the world and somehow be unaffected by it. Hallelujah. I'm preaching on holiness tonight. That people think that they can mess around with the world stuff and not get polluted all over again. But um, you can't, you can't uh, mess with the world and not be polluted. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, there's a scripture. We saw it last week, but I don't know if we read the whole thing. Let me see. Let me see if I can find it, Lord. Bring it back to my rememberer. Second Peter 2. Second Peter 2, verse 20. I wasn't going to go here, but let's, let's look at this. Second Peter 2, verse 20 through 22. 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22. You got it? Yes, sir. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, y'all see that word pollutions, right? So the world is full of pollution. Okay? Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again what? Entangled, Entangled in them and overcome by the pollution here. The latter end is what? Worse than the beginning. So to think that you can come into the body of Christ and, and start a, a relationship with Jesus Christ but still mix in, integrate with the world and nothing affect you, you are in serious error. Okay? It says you, it, you'll be worse than before. Verse 21, for it would have been better. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Verse 22, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb. Look at this. Look at, look at how messy you can get. A dog returns to his, his vomit. Now, you wouldn't ever think about doing it. Just like you wouldn't think about drinking polluted water, you would never think about returning to vomit. I mean, I, I can't stand the sight of anybody else's vomit, let alone my own vomit. My son and I were getting ready to go to the, getting ready to fly uh, a couple weeks ago to Kentucky, and uh, we were in the airport. It's four something in the morning, and there's a little—I don't know who was sick at four in the morning. This little kid in the line, he's they going to get garbage cans. You know, they're like, no, no, don't, 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 please, don't, because you know what's gonna happen. It's gonna be a chain reaction.
So a dog returns to his own vomit. This is what it, what it is when you, when you get born again but mess around with sin. Somebody say sin. And a sow, a sow is another name for a pig, a hog, Deacon Robert, having washed to her wallowing in the mire. The mire is all that muck and all that mud, all that uh, junk the pigs hang out in. Slop, yeah. With all their poop and everything in it. And he says to go back to sin is to go back and you have been washed. Hallelujah. Are y'all okay tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor doesn't play. Because I'm speaking third person. Pastor loves you. And, and I, I, I'll go back to first person. I don't want to see you back messy. See, there's so much of the church who has left this kind of message and the people in the church have slipped back into this worldliness, this carnality, that they think that it's okay because of grace. But I'm going to show you, you got, there's a little bit more than grace out there. 2 Timothy 2.4 2, 4 says this, that no one who wars entangles himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who has called him as a soldier and listed him as a soldier. So you and I cannot get entangled with that world, okay? So the, the devil, what he's done, he's entangled people in the body of Christ. I'm not talking about the world anymore. I'm talking about the body of Christ. He's entangled the body of Christ in, in lasciviousness. Now, lasciviousness, you'll see that in some translations. In some translations, you'll see the word licentiousness. Uh, a real modern translation, you'll see the word looseness. Lasciviousness or licentiousness or looseness is the opposite of temperance. You know, temperance is one of the fruit of the Spirit. All right, Galatians 5.19. One of the fruit of the Spirit is temperance. Temperance is self-control. Looseness is no control. Lasciviousness, licentiousness is no control. And so the body of Christ has slipped over by evil deception into this place of licentiousness where it's fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Glory to God. Y'all just look straight ahead if you have to. So the body of Christ has gotten entangled in this licentiousness, this lasciviousness, this uh, mixed up religion. And in all manner of evil. All manner of evil. All manner of evil. It's just... It's, it's, it's disturbing to hear the things that are coming out of the church today. I was telling this morning, this one pastor who a few weeks ago, it kind of went viral about him, who he, uh, he claims, erroneously claims, that his church has the largest amount of, um, of land of any black church in America. First of all, he's wrong. I, I know one church has three times as much land as he has, black church. And he thinks he's, he's, you know, all that. He's very arrogant. And um, he, he, he was putting out that with that land that they have that they're not using, that they want to uh, grow weed on it, weed, marijuana. Hashish. <laughs> Bunk. Reefle. Mary Jane. They want to grow that on their land. 
because they think somehow it'll attract people to the church. It will. Oh, it will. It will attract people to the church. You're not. You're right about that, cousin. <laughs> Smokers will be there. Oh, just to show. It won't be no holy smoke either. Oh, that's that old incense. No, 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 no. But then, then he goes on. He goes further to say that we need a new gospel. He said we need a new gospel. He said because, because he said it is, it, is, it is not right to tell someone. This is, this is what he deals with. It is not right to tell someone who has already uh, lost their virginity years ago. He said it's one thing to tell a 12-year-old, 14-year-old person to be chased to keep themselves because they've not experienced anything. He says, but it's another thing to tell a 37-year-old woman who's, who's been out there that she has to be chased now that she's walking with Jesus. He said, we need a new gospel. And people all over the body of Christ are, yes, yes, pastor, yes, I knew it. You're right, reverend. No, you're wrong, reverend. And if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a ditch. You see, so the church, uh, I, I, I saw another pastor um, who's putting out these videos about, you know, um, he's, you know, these podcasts he's doing now. I mean, mega, mega, mega church in Ohio, in, um, in Ohio. Uh, is it Cleveland? Cleveland? Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, he's put, putting out these videos about, you know, defending, you know, uh, homosexuality and, and transgenderism and perversion and saying, well, you know, the Bible says, you know, he says, I believe it's sin. He said, but you can't tell a person that they can't do that. Well, is it sin or not? See, what has happened, this lasciviousness, this licentiousness, this looseness, this no self-control has, has permeated the church. And the church has moved away from something I grew up on called holiness. It's almost like a, like a, 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 a bad word today to use the word holiness. But holiness is still right. Holiness is still God's standard. Holiness is still the way. You must be holy. Glory to God. In fact, the Bible says, put, give me Ephesians chapter 1. I'm, I'm off my notes. Ephesians chapter 1 right around verse 4. Ephesians 1 right around verse 4. Glory to God. Let me see. Thank you, Lord. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be. Holy. We should be what? Holy. And without blame before him in love. So God chose us. Oh yeah, I'm chosen, predestined, yes. But he predestined you to be holy. Oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble if I say this. I'm not going to say it. The church becoming hoish. ish 
as if it's some good thing, as if it's some, you know, well, God, you know, well, God, you know, well, God, no, you, you, no, God knows my heart. You're exactly right, sister. You're exactly right, brother. God knows your heart. And the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. The heart is deceitfully wicked. So the heart will trick you into going against God's will and God's way. Hallelujah. And what's happened is people in the body of Christ even have gotten uh, entangled in this lifestyle. And yet the Bible says that upon Mount Zion... There shall be holiness. <laughs> now, I gave you this last week in Obadiah chapter 1, and I gave you the history of what it's all about, that God uh, was sending judgment, speaking judgment through the prophet Obadiah to, this, to a people called the Edomites. Remember the Edomites, right? People of Edom. They are the descendants of Esau. Now, remember Esau. Esau was the elder brother of Jacob. All right, and Jacob uh, took the birthright. Jacob took the blessing from Esau. Okay, it belonged to him anyway from God's from God's directive. Okay, but, but uh, the people, the Edomites, never got over that. So all the the luxury, pleasure, and delight that the, that the people of Israel were enjoying, the inheritance that they were enjoying, the Edomites thought it should have been theirs. So they always mistreated the Israelites. So God said, "I had enough. I'm not going to let you pick on my people." And get away with it. I'm not going to let you abuse my people, mistreat my people, and get away with it. The Bible says that God's people, there, we're the apple of his eye. So you can't touch the apple of God's eye and not get swatted. <laughs> you got it? So that's what this book of Obadiah is all about. Now, in that, so God, you, I don't have time to read through it. Of course, you can read through it in your own time. Um, there's all kind of things talking about the judgment that's going to come. But in the middle of this, verse 17, uh, he says, but on Mount Zion. So he's talking about all the things that are going to happen, the wrath and the destruction that's going to come. But on verse 17, but on Mount Zion, this is a scripture the Lord gave me for this year. But on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall do what? possess their possessions. So I talked to you and I told you that this year that we're going to expect to see three things begin to manifest in, in abundance here. Deliverance, holiness, and then repossession. Okay? Well, in the church, in Mount Zion here, and I told, showed you last week from, Matt, from uh, Hebrews 12 that the church is Zion. All right? You read, go back and read Hebrews 12, verse 22 and 23. You'll see that it describes the church as Zion. Okay? Now, so we talked about last week deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. deliverance. I showed you how God is going to be delivering his people from all kind of enemies. Yes. Debt and lack and poverty and sicknesses and I'm talking about recurring sicknesses. You know those things that you just seem that you can't shake for 10 years or whatever. This is the year of deliverance. Hallelujah. Infirmities and addictions and demonic strongholds. Hallelujah. You know you, you, you born again you may not have a demon but demons can be operating over your life. Demonic strongholds, oppression, it can be working against your life. But this year you're going to be delivered from all that stuff. Amen? Remember Psalm 18, verse 17 and 19, I gave you that last week, where it says, he delivered me from my strong enemy. 
from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. Verse 19, the Lord delivered me because he delighted in me. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Remember, I preached this, um, uh, I guess, two Sundays ago down about David. King, uh, it wasn't King David at that time. David there at Ziklag, 1 Samuel 30. He and his men, they came back to their city, Ziklag, and they found out the city was burned down. All their family, they were taken captive. Everybody say captive. When they were taken captive, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't nice. Hallelujah. But David and his men fought all night long to get their families back. And God delivered his family. He delivered all of their families. Hallelujah. So this year we're going to see God delivering our families, delivering our loved ones. Thank you, Lord. Those that are captive to the enemy, captive to drugs and captive to alcohol, captive to, to the world, they're captive to sin. We're going to see God delivering every one of them this year. Can you believe God for that? Now, one last scripture about last week. Psalm 126, verse 1 and 2. Because David and his families, his, those men, their families were captives. Psalm 126, verse 1 and 2, I want you to see how this works for us. Says, when the Lord brought back, or King James says, turned the captivity of Zion, we were like those who what? Dream. You're going to have a dream life this year. Because God's turning captivity. He's bringing people, he's delivering you out. What's been a nightmare is going to flip into a dream. Some of us have lived through some nightmares, but God's going to flip your nightmare into a dream. Hallelujah. We were like those that dream. Then our mouth was filled with what? Laughter. And our tongue with singing. So expect to be laughing and singing this year more than you ever have. When you get delivered, when God turns things around, expect to laugh and sing and rejoice and dance. Hallelujah. 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 It's our year of laughter. It's our year of rejoicing. It's our year of singing. It's our year of hallelujah, of celebrating. Because God has delivered us. No more moaning and crying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you praise God in advance, sometimes you're praising and laughing by faith. Anybody had to do it? Anybody had to laugh and praise God by faith? Well, your faith is going to be rewarded this year. And you're going to laugh and sing and praise and rejoice because God has brought to pass that which you desire. Amen? So it's a year of deliverance. It's a year of deliverance. Now, we go back to, to uh, Obadiah chapter 1, verse 17. It says, but on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. I want you to say it. There shall be holiness. Say it again. Holiness. So with all the celebration we have and expect to have over deliverance, we should also be celebrating over holiness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The holiness, <clears throat> um, remember I talked to you Sunday, uh, Acts 3, and I think it's verse 21. Uh, that talks about the times of restoration of all things. Remember that? And I talked about when you saw the word restore, it means back to uh, before the fall of man. Back to that condition, that position before the fall of man. Now, before the fall of man, what man are you talking about, first of all? 
Adam. Now, how did God create Adam? From the dust of the ground, good. Okay. What, what did he look like? What, what was his what? In God's image and God's what? Say it again. In God's image and God's likeness. Thank you, Holy This is fresh off the blocks right here. So in God's image and God's likeness. So now the image of God is called righteousness. The likeness of God is called holiness. Adam was made in God's image, righteous, and likeness, holy. Adam was created righteous and holy. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Um, thank you, Lord. Where did I read that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians talks about um, how God created us in righteousness and holiness. Somebody look it up. Y'all got your little doodads, your little devices. Media might even find it. Oh, I found it. Ephesians 4. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 20. Let's start at verse 20. Ephesians 4, verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. Y'all got on the screen? But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in, G in Jesus. Now, he's talking about putting on the new man here. You can go back and read the earlier verses here. Verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct, come on, the old man which grows corrupt according to the what? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and that you put on what? The new man which was created according to God, hallelujah, in true righteousness, and holiness. So the new man was created in true righteousness and holiness just like the first man. The first man Adam was made in God's image and God's likeness. Righteousness and holiness. So you and I when we are recreated God puts us back in that place of righteousness and holiness. Y'all got it. So what I'm talking about, and I think I got off in this whole part here, if I remember, Lord, was because I was talking about how, you know, we're all ready to celebrate deliverance. But we talk about holiness, people don't really get excited about that, but you don't understand. Holiness is God putting us back in that place. Okay. Um, go back and put Ephesians 1-4 back on the screen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is disconnecting this for us. Put Ephesians 1-4 back on the screen. Just as he chose us in him, he chose us in him, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be what? Holy, Holy and without blame. where? Holy and without blame where? Before him. So the only way you and I can exist before him, y'all got to catch it. See, so people don't get excited about holiness. They get excited about, you know, repossession. We're going to get our stuff back and we're going to be delivered from all that kind of stuff. But people don't get really chatty about holiness because they don't realize that holiness is how you are able to be before him. Um, oh, man. That it's by holiness that you and I 
can speak on God's level. It's, it's by holiness that we, oh man, we can talk face to face with God, that we, we can see eye to eye with God. I don't know if y'all catching this. It's, it's by holiness that we are, we are put on the same level as God. I'm not talking about you are God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where you return back to your original state because before Adam sinned, God would come and walk with Adam in the cool of the day. God and Adam would hang out. They talked. They chatted up. They chatted up because they could talk on the same level. But the moment Adam lost his holiness, he went into hiding. He lost the ability to freely communicate with God. So what we don't realize is that this holiness brings us back to that former condition, that former position with God where we can now chat it up with him. Oh my. Oh my. And there shall be holiness. So we can see why the devil works so hard to get people to not walk in holiness. One, he wants to get you uh, on the way to hell. But two, he doesn't want you having any sort of free communication with God that will change your life or anybody else's life here on this planet. So he put all kind of foolishness in front of you. He's trying to entice people away from holiness. He worked hard to make holiness a denomination. He did. If you were in what we call the holiness church, it was a denomination. It was a, it wasn't, it, people didn't see it as a lifestyle. Now, I'm not talking about people, because people in holiness church knew. If you were in holiness church, how many of y'all grew up in a holiness church, what we call holiness church? If you grew up in a holiness church, you knew it was a lifestyle. But people outside of it called you a holiness church like y'all, y'all the holy rollers, y'all go to church and y'all do the holy stuff. But they didn't, they didn't expect holiness to be a lifestyle because they didn't live it. I'm not picking on everybody every denomination. I'm talking about the fact that people didn't know that holiness was not limited to a particular church. Holiness is a lifestyle that God expects for everybody. It didn't matter whether you're Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, whatever. God expects holiness. So on Mount Zion, there shall be holiness. Now this word holiness is, comes from the, the Hebrew word kodesh, kodesh, which means, listen to this, apartness, apartness, apartness. It means holiness of God, of places, of things. So God is a holy God. There are holy places, which implies there are some unholy places. Now, you can make your house one of the holy places. Come on, help me out of here. How many of y'all live in a holy house? Praise God. So your house can be a holy house. Your things can be made holy things by you dedicating them to God. 
So, so when you dedicate your car to God, you can't play your unholy music in my holy car. I'm going to come on this side. I'm going to come on this side. You can't use unholy language in my holy car, at my holy house. <laughs> See, not just God, but places and things. That's why there was such, such a big to-do uh, last year about this song that uh, Beyonce put out called Church Girl. And in that Church Girl song, she sampled music from one of the biggest uh, uh, gospel artist groups in, of our time, the, the Clark Sisters, and, and, and used their music. And, and uh, the big to-do that was made about it was by uh, some, uh, you know, a lot of us who said, wait a minute, that's wrong. Because what she did was she took those, what, what was supposed to be holy words... And defiled it with her nasty music. Nasty, vile lyrics that I don't think any man or woman should look at. I blush just reading the lyrics. I'm like, oh my God, what is she saying? And yet people in the church were defending her. Defending the music. I'm saying, what in the world is wrong with your? They don't understand if something, something is holy, you can't take that holy thing and now use it for some unholy purpose. So then, of course, uh, one of my favorite preachers, the guy, guy I watch quite, quite regularly, he said, well, you know, here's a problem. If, because what happened, the Clark sisters came out in defense of it and said, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Leave Beyonce alone, you know, it's fine. So he said, well, that, it must be then that when you sang it, it wasn't holy to begin with. Because there's no way you can allow something that is holy to be used in an unholy way. Remember when, uh, was it uh, Belshazzar, Belshazzar, one of those guys, they were drinking out of the holy vessels, the holy cups, and God's hand came down and wrote in the plaster, Mene, Mene, Tickle Me Farson. Your days have been numbered. You decided to take holy things and use them for your unholy purposes. See? Somebody say holiness. So apartness, holiness of God or places of things. Look at this, sacredness. Separateness. Set apartness. Now these aren't words I made up. This is what's come out of the concordance here. Sacredness. Everybody say sacredness. Now, sacred means, uh, as opposed, I'm, I'm not giving a definition, but I'm just explaining it, as opposed to secular. As a, you, know, you know what secular means? The word secular, the root of that means uh, world, worldly. Okay? Nova Socorum, new world. So when you talk about sec, it's talking about the world, right? So secular means the world. So uh, sacredness is, is what is devoted to God. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all look straight ahead now. So a pastor keeps harping about secular music. And people just, no, pastor, it's, 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 just, it's just music. No, it's secular music. 
See, and here you are going to take secular music and try to inject secular music into a sacred temple. And what you do with secular music is you defile a sacred temple. Y'all ain't got to say much, but it's right. I'm preaching on holiness. I'm preaching on holiness. See? The sacred and the secular do not mix. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worldliness. Worldliness. James talks about worldliness. You got to get this worldliness out of us. It's secularism. The church has let all kind of secular ideas creep into the church. Secularism is what got uh, Uzzah killed. Uzzah, uh, if you read the story, when David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to uh, Israel, um, the Bible says that he sent the men down there. They went down there, and they they got the ox, got the uh, Ark of the Covenant, and they put it on an ox cart. Y'all remember the story? They put it on an ox cart, and they're going to let the ox, the ox cart bring this, the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel. Well, what happened, the Bible says the ox cart stumbled, and when it stumbled, Uzzah reached out his hand to try to secure it, and the angel just struck him dead. Because he touched, he touched the Ark of the Covenant. It was sacred. But see, here's the problem. They took a sacred item and tried to move it in a secular way. Preach, pastor. I think I will. They tried to copy off the Philistines because that's how the Philistines had moved the ark. So they imitated the world trying to do something, move a sacred thing in a secular way. And that's what's happening in today's modern church. The church is trying to sing sacred songs or do sacred things, but in a secular way. And secularism has infiltrated the church. And so that's why folk are... So when he finally got that deal, we better do this thing right. As they said, get the, get the priests and get the priests to bear that ark on their shoulders like God said. Because those were sacred shoulders. See? And so they bear the ark, the sacred ark on sacred shoulders, and they were able to move with no problem. Sacredness. Separateness. Separateness. This is part of the definition of it. Separateness. 2 Corinthians 6.17. Put it on the screen for me, please. 2 Corinthians 6.17. Separateness. Look at what it says, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Therefore, come out. Come on. Is it on the screen? Y'all want to read it? Ready, go. Therefore, and now who you think the, uh, the, the them is? It's the world. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. So he says, come out from among them and be separate. Now, he doesn't mean that you can't go to school and you can't have a job and you can't go to the mall. He's talking about in your lifestyle, in your behaviors, in your ways. He says, come out and be separate from that. Hallelujah. I'll, I'll keep going here. 
Set-apartness. Set-apartness. This is consecration. It's consecration. It's devotion. Now, I want to I look at a scripture here on this set-apartness. Everybody say, I'm set-apart. James chapter 1. James, at the end of the book, end of the Bible. James chapter 1. And verse um, 27. Am I right? Yeah. James 1, verse 27. It says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Here it is. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. We can do that. We're good at charity. We're good at charity. Hallelujah. Bag of groceries and you know, clean up the yard for him, gas cards and all that stuff. We'll do that. Praise God. Amen. But he didn't stop there. He said, and to keep oneself, you can't substitute charity for holiness. You, you, you can't replace holiness with helping people. You have to do both. And see, what people do is, and this is what I've seen happen in the world, and I've seen it right in church, is that people try to use charity as a conscience cleanser. Y'all ain't saying anything to me. They'll use charity as a conscience cleanser. I'm going to help folk because I, you know, <laughs> got to make myself feel good, you know. Penance. The Catholic Church does that as a, as a mode of operation. Right. That's right. Hallelujah. You let some guy be a mob boss, but you come bring the million dollars to the church, we, we'll write it off. We'll write it off. Just go do three Hail Marys and touch your toes three times, you're good. Am I right about it? So we must remain, watch this, unspotted. That set-apartness, now watch this. That set-apartness is because we are consecrated or devoted to God. I've set, I've set myself apart to God. In other words, I'm not just uh, set apart from the world, I'm set apart to God. Anybody have that special dish, that special dishes or a special thing in your closet or whatever in your house that you have set apart? It's, 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 it's different. This is, this is for special occasions. This is, and so when you and I are holy, walking in holiness, we have set ourselves apart. We're not just uh, abstaining from the world because we're trying to be, you know, standoffish. Because we're uppity. Because, you know, we don't you know, like people. No, it's not that. It's because I'm giving myself to God. I'm giving myself to God. For him I live and for him I die. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. And so my holy lifestyle is not to make me feel superior to anybody. It's because I'm connected, I'm devoted to God, and I want to be meat for the master's use. 
that's, that's, how, that's a King James word, meet, M-E-E-T, qualified. I want to be a vessel unto honor, not unto dishonor. Vessel, meet, qualified for the master's use. That means, that means I want to make sure God is always able to use me. I'm consecrated, I'm set apart to him. I want God to always be able to use me. I want him to be able to count on me. I don't want it to be that somebody has a need, somebody needs prayer, and I got to now go fast three days trying to get back right. <laughs> tell, your neighbor, tell your neighbor, if you stay right, you don't have to get right. So I just, I just live right all the time. I live a consecrated and devoted life. I don't just, I don't just live right when I'm fasting this Friday. I live a consecrated, devoted life all the time. I guard my heart. I guard my, my atmosphere. I don't let all unholy things in my holy house, unholy things in my holy car, unholy things in my holy mind, unholy things in this holy temple. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That makes you a holy person, so you can't allow unholy, profane things come into your holy temple. Hallelujah. We are standing on holy ground. Yes, but this is holy ground too. And I don't let unholy seed get in this, in this holy ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to live right. I'm going to live so God can use me anytime and anywhere. Glory to God. So what, what do we see? Remember he said, our, our key scripture, Obadiah 117, there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. So that means that in this hour, where God is manifesting this scripture in this hour, again, what we're going to see is God raising up a generation of people who will boldly walk in holiness. I don't know if you're part of that, but I'm hoping some of y'all are going to join that group of people who will boldly walk in holiness. What the devil has done, he has tried to make us ashamed to be holy. Uh, he's tried to make God's people ashamed to be holy. Where if you have, if you have a different way of, of thinking and seeing things, he, he shuts you up. Don't say that in public. But no, God, he, he's looking for people who are not, be ashamed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be ashamed to be holy. Matter of fact, matter of fact, what I'm, what I'm ashamed of is what I used to be. That's what the Bible says. What profit do you have in those things of which you are now ashamed? So I'm ashamed of what I used to be. I don't want to bring that up. I don't want to talk about it. Now, I'll talk about stuff being transparent, but I don't go around telling everybody, you know, boy, your soul used to be a hoe. I don't, I don't go around telling everybody because I'm ashamed of that kind of stuff. But I'm not ashamed to be holy. I'm not ashamed to be holy. I'm not ashamed to be a child of God. I'm not ashamed to be walking right. I'm not ashamed to be believing this Bible. I'm not ashamed. Now, let's, let's keep going here. 
I got six minutes. I'm not going to finish, but let me, let me try. So what, was, what has happened over the last several years is that there's been a lot of teaching on righteousness. A lot of teaching on righteousness. You hear righteousness teaching everywhere. You hear righteousness in the songs, in the music. Righteousness. We are the righteousness of God. Especially in the, in the uh, grace or greasy grace, goofy grace movement. Everybody talks about their righteousness. But I want to make sure you understand that there's a difference between righteousness and holiness. You and I know, hopefully, that righteousness is right standing with God. Everybody say that. Say righteousness is right standing with God. Now, righteousness is God's gift to me. God made me righteous. He gave me that gift, Romans 5, 17. We've received an abundance of grace and the gift. I pray that every morning when I wake up, God, I thank you for, I say, you know, among other things, thank you for my right mind, thank you for my righteous mind, thank you for the gift of righteousness every day. Because I realize that God gave me that gift. I start out every day with that gift. Thank you, Lord. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21, right? So I am righteous because God made me righteous. But there's a difference between righteousness and holiness. Whereas righteousness is right standing, holiness is right living. Whereas righteousness is God's gift to me, holiness is my gift to God. Y'all got this? Is, this? is this simple and plain enough for you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So here's the issue. Through the grace teaching out there, they teach righteousness as uh, it's a fact, which it is, but that righteousness almost uh, gives you an excuse or a, a free pass because you're righteous. Well, you are righteous. Thank you, Lord. But righteousness should produce holiness. See, here's the thing that I hear people talk about, you know, with this grace. Well, you know, you know, it's all right if you mess up because, you know, grace covered it. Well, I understand that when you sin, that you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Right? But we have to understand that grace didn't come here by itself. Put up John 1.14. Put up John 1, 14. Look at what it says. And the word became flesh. This is about Jesus Christ, right? And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Come on. The glory as of what? Full of grace and truth. Now, here's the verse they use, verse 17. They talk about how Jesus Christ, he came and he brought grace, right? But look at what it says, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came. So yes, he brought grace, but he also brought truth. truth. So you can't have grace by itself. You must have grace accompanied by truth. Hallelujah. Well, the truth is you are in right standing, but the truth also is you must live right. Thank you, Lord. The truth is grace will cover your sins. 
or, or, the, or great, grace, grace will cover your sins. But it's also the truth that grace will give you the power to not sin. Grace did not come to excuse sin. Grace came to give us power to overcome sin. Grace is the ability of God. It's the ability of God. Something I couldn't do, if you put up John 117, yeah, under the law, we had no grace. Now what they teach is, under the law, we had no grace, which meant if you sin, you were punished. But now if you sin, you're forgiven. Well, that's not what he means. What he means is that under grace, now you have power. Under the law, you had no power. You, we, in fact, the whole, you read Romans 7. You read Romans 7. Paul goes through a whole dissertation about this war and his members, that, that he wants to do good and evil is always present and all these things going on inside of him. There's this war. But he says, he says who should deliver me from the, from this, the power of this, this, this body of death? I thank my God through our Lord Jesus Christ that he shall deliver me from this power, from this, this body of death. Now, what, what's going on is that, is that there's a grace now available that wasn't available under the law. It came with Jesus. So now I have the power not to sin. I have the power to resist sin. I have the power to overcome sin. I have the power to withstand sin. Glory to God. So don't take grace as an excuse, as a coverall, as a, as a free pass. If you do that, you're allowing yourself to slip into licentiousness, lasciviousness, looseness. And that's not what holy living is all about. Glory to God. Glory to God. Give me 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16 real quick. Lord have mercy. I'm going to cut this here short here. I'll cut it short. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. And I want to look at it right in the Amplified Classic, please. Let's go right to the Amplified Classic for sake of time here. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. I'd like you all to read it with me since it's the Amplified, okay? Ready? Read. So brace up your minds. Be sober. Circumspect. Morally alert. Morally alert. Moral. Morally alert. It means watching out for things. Sin, trespasses, iniquity. Set your hope wholly on what? The, the grace, the divine favor that is coming to you when? Keep going, please. Live. Do not. When you did not know what? Oh, requirements. Requirements of the gospel. Oh. See, when you and I were in sin, we did not know the requirements. But now that we're born again and we read the word, we know the requirements. And the church doesn't want to talk about requirements anymore. People want to hate, oh, I don't want all them rules and regulations. I don't need no, no rules and regulations. I don't need no rules and regulations. I don't need no requirements. We just got grace. No, the Bible has requirements there are rules if there weren't the Bible wouldn't say warn those who are unruly the Bible says warn those who don't follow the rules so God still has rules 
Glory to God. Well, I don't like rules. Uh-huh, but you get in your car, you put your seatbelt on, you stay on, the, on this side of the yellow line. Those are rules. How come when it comes to God's kingdom, though, you don't want any rules? You give your kids rules, and when it comes to God's kingdom, you don't want any rules. No, I just, no, where the spirit of the Lord is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is liberty. Oh, I just, no, yes, right. It's liberty not to sin. Y'all are not kidding. See, that, that, that's the real freedom. The freedom, the, the freedom is in the fact that I I'm not bound to what I was bound to anymore. I'm not free to sin. I'm free to not sin. See, when I was a sinner, I couldn't help myself. Y'all ain't sinning to me. When I was a sinner, when you were a sinner, you couldn't help yourself. You thought you were free. You were not free. You were bound. Now you're free. It's when you get born again and the Holy Ghost is living on the inside. Now, when temptation comes, I'm free to say no. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's right. That's right. I'm free to say no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can delete now. I can delete. <laughs> Before, I wasn't free to, to delete. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So there are requirements of the gospel, requirements, requirements, requirements. Verse, or verse 15, verse 15. But as the one who called you is holy. Wait, start over. Everybody read. Ready, go. But as the one who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all your conduct and not just on Sunday when you're in church. Not just when you're around Passover. Pastor John around, I gotta live holy. No, that ain't holy, that's fake. Be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. Why? Verse 16 For it is written, You shall be holy. Why? God wants you and me to be just like Him. Why? So we can talk out of eye, we can talk face to face now. Somebody to be ashamed. He don't want us hiding behind a bush like Adam was. You don't want to know. He don't want us. He doesn't like. He doesn't want that. God doesn't want that kind of fellowship with us. He don't want that kind of relationship with us. We're kind of you know timid and shy. He won't, no, no. He wants to be able to talk to him freely. Come on. Come on. Just let me just test you because I've been there. So I figure if I've been there. Maybe you've been there too. Has there ever been a time in your life as a believer? Where you got into something and your prayer life was affected because you felt like. See, he doesn't want us to have that kind of relationship. That's why he extends his grace so that we can overcome it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's go one last place here, and I'll finish this next week. Romans 6. It's a, it's a large section, so this will definitely be the last one. Romans 6. Romans 6, verse 12. 
Are y'all getting anything out of this tonight? It's a teaching night tonight. Stuff like this you can't necessarily teach on Sundays. Sundays you just got to get them saved. Wednesday, we can learn about holiness. It's not to say people don't only come on Sundays don't know holiness. I'm just saying, but, you know, people. Anyway, Romans 6. <laughs> Verse 12. Now this, I, want, I mean, I wish we could read the whole chapter, but I want you to, I want you to um, uh, start at Verse 1. Let's, start, let's, let's, just, let's just do it. We're going to do this and we're going to go home. We'll, we'll go home. Let's, let's read it, everybody. And whatever the Holy Ghost point out to you, make sure you grab a hold of it. Verse 1, ready, go. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin, come on, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also walk in what? Not the old way of living. Holiness is a whole new way. Verse 5, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, come on, and that the body might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of, I'm not a slave anymore. Hallelujah. Keep going. For he who has died, now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion. For the death that he died, he died to sin. But the life that he lives, come on. Likewise, you also, come on. This is how you overcome sin. This is one of the scriptures I use to overcome temptation right here. Is I started reckoning myself dead to it. I consider myself dead to that. It's, I'm dead to that. You're dead to me. I'm dead to it and it's dead to me. I'm dead to it and it's dead to me. You can't control my mind anymore, any longer. All right, let's keep going. Verse 12. Therefore, come on. But, Come on. For sin shall not have. For you are not. Come on, keep going. Shall we sin because? Shall certainly not. Come on, keep going. Do you not know? Whether, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, 
yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been, you became, I speak in human terms because of, for just as you presented your members and leading to, pause right there, pause right there. You presented yourself as members, of, members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So the more you do, the more you do. The more you do, the deeper you go. You'll be tangled up in it. So come out while you can right now, praise God. Start over verse 19. Ready, go. I speak in human terms because of, for just as you presented your members and so now for Righteousness for holiness. Now, if you got a good Bible, there'll be a little number, a little letter, some, something right by that word holiness, and it'll say sanctification. If they didn't call us a holiness church, they called us a sanctified church. Sanctified church. Glory to God. Sanctified church. Oh, oh Lord. Praise God. Deep. Sanctified church, the women knew how to dress. You had to imagine things if you wanted to see something. You had to imagine. Did it just me and you right here? You had to imagine. You couldn't. It wasn't all on display. They didn't try to use their body to get a woman, to get a man. They use that heart. And the, the men knew how to dress. The men didn't, didn't look like women. Not in the sanctified church. Y'all quiet back here in the back. Hallelujah. Verse 20 through 23. Let's read and go home. For when you were slaves of sin, come on. Here's that verse right here. What fruit did you have then? You have your fruit. I got holy fruit, ladies and gentlemen. I'm producing holiness. Hallelujah. And the end everlasting life. For here it is. You, you Baptist, you know the Romans roll. For the wages of sin is death. Thank you, Jesus. There's a difference between uncleanness and holiness. Righteousness, we saw here, leads to holiness. Holiness is still God's standard. I said holiness is still God's standard. 
And I know the church has become all conformed to the world. The church has become all loose and loosey-goosey and not, we don't want to be no traditional and all that kind of stuff. But there's some traditions we're supposed to hold on to. Holiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how we grew up, Elder Warren. Holiness or hell. My dad would take his Bible and on the front it said, Holy Bible. He said, see that? Holy, he says, holy, on the side, nothing. He says, holiness or nothing. That's how we grew up. And my daddy didn't just preach it. Mama, just, they didn't just preach it. They, they lived it. And they raised us that way. On holiness. Now, I strayed. Because I didn't have the Holy Ghost. Hard to be holy without the Holy Ghost. But if you have the Holy Ghost, you have a keeper. Stand to your feet. Put up Jude chapter 1, J-U-D, Jude chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. King James says the word falling. And to present you how? Faultless. Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's how God wants us to be before him. Faultless, blameless, holy. Not falling, stumbling. Backtracking. And part of the trick of the enemy has been for years, I've heard this even in preaching circles, that it's impossible to be that. It's impossible to live without sin. And people preach that. It's impossible. Well, if it wasn't possible, Jesus wouldn't have told us to do it. He gave us the power. But see, if you, if you say it's not possible, and then you keep saying, well, we're all sinners saved by grace. Yes. We're all sinners saved by grace. No, I don't keep confessing I'm a sinner. No. I don't keep confessing I'm a sinner. No. I'm a saint saved by grace. Yes. I'm a child of God saved by grace. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I can do this because the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is on the inside of me. And I can live holy and you can live holy. Hallelujah. I don't care what you've done, where you come from, how long you've been in it. You can live holy. You can live holy. God's bringing a revival of holiness. I'll get back into this next week because we're going to see a revival of holiness. I'm telling you. A pure revival of holiness. Because wherever there's a revival of holiness, we're going to see a revival of power. And that's what God wants to see in, in the church, in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Y'all learn anything tonight? Yes. Come on, give God a big hand if you receive that word tonight. Praise the Lord. Father, we're thankful tonight for the word of God we have received. Thank you, Father, that you gave us the ability, your ability, to live holy, to be holy. You told us to be holy because you are holy. And you wouldn't tell us to be something that we could not be. 
Lord, you gave us your own grace, your own power to be holy, to live holy. And so, Lord, we surrender ourselves. We ask you, Lord, for the help that we need to live holy. Lord, wherever there is some shortage in our life, wherever there is some, some, some uh, place in our lives where we've not yet yielded ourselves, we've not yet consecrated and devoted ourselves to you, Father, we ask that you would help us in that area. We pray, Father, you'll help us to, uh, we, we want to devote our whole lives, our things, our places, everything to you. Holy homes, holy cars, holy lifestyles, holy relationships, everything about us being holy and devoted to you. And we pray, Father, that wherever there's something that's, that's in, in error, that you point it out by the Holy Ghost, and we commit ourselves to repent of that quickly to walk away from it and to never go back to it again, to never go back to it again because we want to be holy and blameless before you, holy and blameless before you. And I pray, Father, that this, your people, Lord, that we'd all be a part of this great revival of holiness. God, it, it, I know in, in, the, in the word, because of what the word says, so many of, of us in the body of Christ have put our minds on a great falling away. But God, I believe that at the same time there's a falling away, there will be a great revival of holiness. A great revival of holiness. Because you're going to make a difference, God. You're going to cause it where we can discern between those who serve you and those who do not. And those who do not, God, you're bringing them down. Those who have transformed themselves into the angels of light, but they're really the devil's ministers. You'll bring them down and you'll raise up the clean, holy voices that you have, been, uh, that you have set aside for yourself. Thank you that in this hour, we will see it manifest. And we give you the praise for it tonight. Help us to do what you've called us to do, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give God a great praise tonight. <laughs>